Hi folks, this is Dungeon Daddy Rick here, uh, and I'm going to be talking today about the games that I played personally in 2023, and giving kind of my thoughts on them and my rankings. Uh, spoilers, nothing here is below like a B tier, I'm just going like A, B, C, whatever. Uh, nothing that I played was below B tier, uh, because I don't try to play shitty games. I try to at least know a little bit about them. Um, so, in no particular order, in 2023, uh, what I've got, and I may have missed some, I don't think so, but I've got Kids on Brooms, Kids on Bikes, Vampire the Masquerade, Werewolf the Apocalypse, Fantasy Flight Star Wars, Monster Hearts 2, Candela Obscura, Monty Python, Zombicide, Together Among the Stars, slash Alone Among the Stars, uh, the kind of the same game, but not quite. Uh, Hunter the Reckoning, uh, the 5th edition, which also Vampire and Werewolf were 5th edition as well. Um, Ominous, which is a game created by our friend Emily, or Corvée, on social media. Uh, Call of Cthulhu, and then Babies and Broadswords. And, you know, just as a, a note, Babies and Broadswords... I would consider A tier, uh, just to get that out of the way. But I'm a little bit biased because I do work for slash write for even footing games. So that one, uh, you know, take that one as you will. Uh, I will talk a little bit more about it in a second, but that's our breakdown of games. All right, so I think it's a little bit hard for me within each tier to rank. To rank each of these. Um, I'm just going to kind of start off with, I guess, the ones that I've run the most or played in the most this year. Um, I really love Werewolf 5th Edition. To be fair, I have not played the older editions. Uh, I realize this is going to be a very controversial statement. Uh, I think 5th Edition is a massive improvement in a lot of ways because there's a lot of garbage in the older editions. Sorry, not sorry. Uh, a lot of stuff that is edgy just to be edgy, offensive to be offensive, and it wasn't necessary. They did a lot of good things. There's still some stuff that I wish would have been changed in 5th edition, but I wasn't consulted. Uh, I'm not the one that they were asking for those opinions, but I do think that overall they've made some really good changes. Um, next up is Monster Hearts 2. I really like this game, uh, obviously because we ran a one-shot on Even Footing Games. It went really well, everyone wanted to keep playing, and I agreed, uh, so we kept doing that. I'm not going to give too much information on that because we are going to be recording, uh, slash streaming soon a, uh, campaign wrap-up on that, so... We'll give a little bit more thoughts on that in that, so check out the Even Friendly Games Twitch slash YouTube uh, for more on that. Then Star Wars. Um, the first time I played it was actually with our friend Kay as the GM for that. I think back in 2022 would have been when that was. Uh, so it had been a little bit since I played it as a player, but then the very end of the year, uh, actually, I think like 
the 30th was the first one. So yeah, almost the very end of the year, snuck in a session of Star Wars. I really like it. Um, I think in some ways there's too much information sometimes just to process all of it. Uh, the modules that I've run so far, though, uh, we completed the Edge of the Empire beginner game. We are partially into the Long Arm of the Hut. Um, spoilers if you want to watch that over on the Vactair, but uh, they've gone a little bit off the rails, which, you know, I let them do. I wasn't too concerned with staying on module, uh, especially because I let some of them make some changes to their characters from the pre-generated. So, um, yeah, it's it's been interesting. The modules, I think, are pretty well written, at least the ones that come with the game or that you can purchase uh, as extras. They've been pretty good about, um, at least so far, telling you exactly what you need to roll. Mostly the character sheets make a lot of sense to me. Um, yeah, it's a it's a fun game. I like it, and I plan on running a decent amount of Star Wars um, here in 2024. Up next is Candela Obscura. I have not personally run it. Uh, I have only played in our friend Emily's games, again, over on the Vactair. Um, I can tell you that we are going to be playing that for a couple of games uh, over on Even Footing Games in 2024 as well. I really like this. Um, again, sometimes it's a little confusing, uh, like some of the others, just because initially we started with only the quick start. Um, there was a lot that was left unanswered in that, which is pretty normal for a quick start. I wasn't too surprised by that. But um, weirdly enough, Emily kind of guessed and ended up guessing pretty right now that we have the full book. Um, yeah, I really like it. I love the atmosphere of it. I love the uh, investigative part of it. Um, it reminds me in a lot of ways of Cthulhu, but less focused on like the sanity and survival and stuff like that. More on the investigation and just the general kind of moodiness of it which I think is a perfect segue into Cthulhu. Um, I did not run Cthulhu in 2023. I only was a player, uh, and that was in the Cantrips and Coffee um, stream games that I don't think those made it to like YouTube or anything. I'll have to double check, um, which is unfortunate because they were really fun, but it was also when we were playing Spelljammer and we had some kind of last minute stuff that uh, I think either our DM or maybe we were missing a player who we needed. No, I think it was the DM. I think, I think Jaden wasn't able to be there. So uh, Rune stepped up and ran some Cthulhu one shots for us. And that was a blast. I, as a one shot, sometimes don't like Cthulhu because there's a lot of, options there's a lot of skills to keep track of um it can be a little overwhelming to try and remember but if you have a very experienced keeper that's not as much of an issue um i am not super experienced as a keeper so 
I kind of struggle with that sometimes, just trying to remember like what's what, especially if I've been bouncing back and forth between systems. Um, if I played it more often, I think I would like it even more. I mean, it's already A tier, so I don't think that uh, it's enough that I would say I dislike the game, but just some things that are sometimes a bit of a frustration for me, you could say. Uh, next is Alone Among the Stars and Together Among the Stars. I love these games. Um, I kind of can't choose between the two because there's a lot of good things about both. Um, in Alone Among the Stars, the way that I ran it on stream, I liked um, that I would take a little bit of time. You know, I would on screen have like a, a little thing where I would type out my thoughts. You know, I would kind of read them aloud as well, but I would write them down so that it looked, you know, like a journal, obviously futuristic because this is a space exploration kind of game. Um, but Together Among the Stars, it was also really fun because then I had someone else there to kind of role play with. Um, sometimes we would just kind of describe what we see and then we would move on. Sometimes we would have a lot of back and forth. And because I got to play with so many different people, um, I don't think that I played every single week. I don't remember exactly when we started it, but most Saturdays throughout... Um, 2023, I played together among the stars over on the Vector, and that was uh, it was a lot of fun. I got to play with a ton of different people. I really enjoyed that. Uh, most exciting to me, you know, I obviously love all the players that I played with, but I really enjoyed the fact that they were able to get the creator of the game to come on and play. It was super intimidating, not gonna lie. Uh, but that was amazing that was so eye-opening to me because i'd already played it a bunch by that point uh but their play style was even more focused on role play than the people i had played with up to that point uh so it really opened me up to you don't just have to take the card that you get and the prompt that you get from that card you can take that as a starting point and then just run with it. And we did a lot of just running with it and a lot of stuff where we didn't draw more cards. We only, I think, drew maybe like four or five the whole time uh, versus other times that I had played with people. We drew a lot of cards. You know, we went through a lot of different planets, a lot of interplanetary travel, um, a lot of prompts, which both styles are valid. Uh, however you want to play it is what works for you. But to me, it was really interesting to see that play style and be able to kind of expand on what I'd already been doing up to that point. Uh, after that one, I've got Ominous. And again, these are not out of the A tier. These are not ranked. This is just kind of how I had them listed out. Um, Ominous, again, is a game by our friend Emily, a.k.a. Corvée. Uh, I'll have that in the description. Um, it is a game that she wrote. I was lucky enough to be one of the guinea pigs for that, to play test it and see 
kind of how it worked. Um, I really, really like this game. It is a little bit different than other... Because it's not a solo game. It's not a... It's not a GM-less game because it's hard to describe. It's a little bit like a solo game if you had a GM in some ways because you roll 3d6 and then you basically give your GM, you know, what your role was individually, what each dice was. And then there is a prompt based on that. Uh, it's almost like tarot in a, a way uh, if tarot was a role-playing game and uh, the prompt that you get is a little bit vague on purpose uh, you know it could be good bad neutral there's a little bit to it um, so it's a game that I would not necessarily recommend to someone who is new to GMing unless you just really want to challenge uh, not that that's a bad thing I really like the fact that it's more open because for someone who is more experienced with GMing or just has a lot of uh, creative ideas based on those prompts, it's super fun. Uh, the play test that we did that I don't know if it made it anywhere. I don't know if that got shared or if that was just something that we kept for our uh, entertainment, but I played a person named Steve who went around with a hockey stick in the apocalypse and caused a lot of chaos. Uh, when we played it during Spooktober, again on the back tear, uh, I, I played a character who would go around and like hug monsters because that's just who they were. And uh, there were a couple of times I thought that I was going to die, but managed to not do that. Managed to uh, help some monsters with hugs. It can be as silly or as serious as you want it to be, which is also part of the appeal. Um, next, Kids on Bikes. I really like this game uh, because I think for the style of game it is supposed to be, it is pretty spot on. Um, it is kind of your like Stranger Things that... It does have some stuff in the book for like psychic powers, that sort of thing. Uh, but it's basically if you were playing Stranger Things without the uh, 11, you know, or the upside down and stuff like that. Your kids, you're investigating some kind of mystery. Um, it could be a little bit spooky, could be a little bit magical or psychic or government conspiracy type stuff, but. It could also be pretty mundane. Um, I think that's part of the appeal is that, you know, for kids, imagination can run wild. And so uh, when we played this over on the Even Footing Games Presents podcast, I think us playing these kids, we got a little bit uh, carried away in that childhood mentality, you know, that in the very first episode of it, you know, we see these lights, um, it was set in Colorado, we see these lights up on the mountain, and we automatically think, like, it's aliens. I'm not going to spoil it, whether it was or wasn't aliens, but uh, expectations were one thing, and uh, it ended up being a little bit different than we thought, but it was still very interesting. Uh, I think it is a fantastic system. 
which leads me into my B tier, uh, I'm going to start off with Kids on Brooms. This could be potentially just that I haven't done enough with it. Um, our Chaotic Academia Pandaros started off as Dungeons & Dragons. We were running a Strixhaven game, or, well, loosely, Strixhaven game, uh, set in our homebrew world. Eventually, with all of the bullshit in 2023, with uh, Hasbro and Wizards of the Coast, all that, we just said, we're going to get away from Dungeons & Dragons, which, you know what, there's a lot of other games out there anyway that we don't need to just play that one. So I chose to transition us to Kids on Brooms with some consultation from my players. Um, I think this year we're going to see a lot more um, combat just to kind of get a better feel for that. We've done a little bit, but not a ton. Um, it's been a little bit more just role play and really social kind of maneuvers. Um, but I want to get back to more of what we were doing when it was still Dungeons and Dragons and see how it plays out at that point. So I think that Kids on Brooms has the potential for A tier. Um, it could just be that I didn't play it the same way and that could be on me. Um, but yeah, that's, that's my thought on that. I do really like in both Kids on Bikes and Kids on Brooms, the, uh, the system where, you know, you have your abilities, they each get a different die value. So uh, my character in Kids on Bikes had grit as their highest value. That was my D20 ability. Uh, and I think fight might have been their lowest, so that was the D4. Um, I think that's really fun. I think that it gives you a lot of potential to do different things. Uh, you know, your GM, in theory, should be telling you how, um, what number you need to beat. Because one of the really cool things about that system for both brooms and bikes is that if you fail a roll, uh, let's say, you know, if I was rolling with grit and I rolled really, really poorly, um, you could potentially, let's say my DC was like a 10, right? And let's say I rolled a nine on my, uh, my grit check. If I had any adversity tokens, I could spend one to succeed on that roll. If you spend one, you don't gain any adversity tokens like you normally do for losing a roll. But that's kind of where you have to decide, like, do I want to gain another adversity token? by letting this role lose or do I want to go ahead and pass it and you know hope for the best in the future uh, I really like that mechanic the uh, you're not being punished necessarily for losing you can then use that in the future by banking those adversity tokens and different abilities that you can get um, one of our players in the even footing games campaign had an ability where if you give another player your adversity token they get two for each one that you spend so that's really cool you know it lets you be able to give a little bit more than what you would be able to use on yourself um i also think that as we play more kids on brooms um i think our players are going to get really 
powerful because there are some mechanics in that. Um, it's not really a game that has a level up system, but there are some mechanics specifically in Kids on Brooms where you can train your abilities higher. Um, so they've already got some of, I think, trained in for some of their um, abilities just because it corresponded to things that their Dungeons and Dragons character could do really well. So it made sense to kind of translate that as best we could. Uh, it's obviously not a one or one to one transfer, but I think it worked decently well so far. Um, next up on the B tier is we're going to kind of talk about two games here. Um, first is Vampire the Masquerade, 5th edition. The reason that I have it as B tier is Werewolf was a total reboot. Um, it changed a lot of things for the lore. It changed a lot of, uh, they, they call them tribes. I don't like that word. I wish that they had just called them clans or something else. Um, that's me personally. Maybe other people don't care so much. But uh, for Vampire, 5th edition really didn't change a whole lot. It did tone down some of the bullshit from the older editions. Um, I think to a certain extent, these being horror games, um, there's only so much you can tone down on certain things before it starts to get into, like, is this a horror game anymore or is it something else? You know, if you want to keep the tone, uh, vampires tend to come with a lot of, like, non-consensual stuff, a lot of uh, memory erasure, messing with memory, gaslighting, all that kind of stuff that is a little bit unpleasant, but that's where safety tools come in handy. You know, you need to have those in a game like that. And that is not something that I would ever um, be willing to negotiate on, that if somebody tried to tell me, no, we don't need safety tools for this game. If I was a player, I'm not playing in that game. If somebody told me we are not going to use safety tools for a vampire game, I'm not setting in at that table. As a GM, or storyteller in this case, if somebody was like, no, nah, I don't want to do the consent sheet, sorry, you're not playing at my table. It's not an option. It's a horror game. I think that consent sheets, safety tools, things like that should be present in every game. But, especially for horror games, it is crucial. It is non-negotiable for me. Uh, and with that, we'll talk a little bit about Hunter the Reckoning. Uh, so that is another World of Darkness game alongside Werewolf and Vampire. Um, the reason for me that Hunter is in the B tier is that I haven't played it enough to really appreciate it. Uh, I think that it has a lot of potential as well. Um, it's also a little bit difficult having run um, Vampire and Werewolf to then go and be a player in a game where you're just a human without really any special abilities. It's, a, it's just a bit of a a bit of a change to adjust to. I think that if I played it more, again, I might like it a lot more. But B tier is not bad. You know, I can't really say anything negative about it. Um, just that I haven't played it enough, really. But I like the storyteller system for the World of Darkness games. I think that 
the narrative systems tend to be a lot better in my opinion i mean in case you couldn't tell because monster hearts star wars uh to an extent candela is pretty um narrative honestly most of these i think that probably cthulhu is the only one that we've talked about so far that i wouldn't consider to be narrative it's more of a uh, pass fail kind of a thing but most of these others you know even if it has a pass fail there's usually a bit of an element of uh, how much did you pass by how much did you fail by and that can still lead to some mixed results versus just a total failure um on that note got a couple left so monty python um I think that when we play this here soon on even footing um, and actually make our own characters and take the time to do that, I think that it is possible I will like this game more. Now, I played with the same Head of Light Entertainment both times that I've played it, and I love their playstyle. I had a blast. So when I say that Monty Python, uh, the TTRPG, is B tier to me, that is not a commentary on RGM, or as Monty Python calls it, the whole, the head of light entertainment. Um, I think that RGM was amazing and really knew how to run this game. Uh, I think the game itself is just not, it's not my favorite. I think that Monty Python has a ton of potential for fun. I think that playing in that universe is great. I think the mechanics are a little meh, personally. Uh, so realistically, when I play Monty Python, it's not because I like the mechanics. It's because I like the world. I like the GM, things like that. Uh, the game itself, I don't know that I would necessarily run it, but I love playing with somebody who really loves running this game. That is what does it for me. Uh, and kind of the same thing with Zombicide. Um, it was actually the same person as the GM. I really liked the story that they told. Uh, I liked playing with that group of people. The game itself to me was just kind of meh. I wasn't, I wasn't overly impressed, but again, it's B tier. It's not like this is a game that I hated and I would never play again. So, uh, last but not least, I did say this one was A tier, but uh, as I said in the beginning, because I work for Even Fitting Games, I feel like my opinion on Babies and Broadswords is a little bit colored by bias. That being said, the first few times that I ran it uh, and played it, I wasn't working for Even Fitting Games. So, I liked it a lot before I ever started, you know, being involved with the company more directly. Uh, I think it's really fun. I think that one of the best things about it is you are super, super free to kind of do whatever you want. You know, you can use the, uh, you know, the different classes that they give you, but you're not limited to playing a human baby. You could play, you know, as they did, uh, I think it was the cantrips game with uh, potions and potpourri that they had a robot baby, you know, uh, 
the Even Footing Games podcast, whenever they did Crawl of Cthulhu, they had all kinds of little monster babies. Uh, we also had monster babies in the Pandaros preschool game. You know, uh, the two games that I initially ran were baby Greek gods. You know, there's nothing limiting you to you have to place certain species, certain kinds of babies. Obviously, you know, the class system is kind of what they, they lean towards, but having played with Jason and Aaron, you know, probably the two biggest people who are uh, known and involved in even footing games, they're pretty open, uh, you know, partially because I, I work for them now, but like I've written some of my own classes other people have written some of their own classes who don't technically work with us. Um, so whenever they run games, they're pretty open to like, let's reskin stuff. Let's make a custom class. Let's do whatever. And that's one of the great things about babies is it's very, very easy to do. And you can tell whatever kind of story you want to tell with it realistically. Um, but yeah, that is my 2023 in TTRPGs. I may have missed some, like I said, but as far as I can remember, uh, that is everything that I've played, and I'm excited about everything that I have played so far. A uh, little under two weeks into, or I guess exactly two weeks into uh, 2024, played a shit ton of games already, and have a bunch more planned throughout the year, so I'm super excited about that, and uh, we will see you all on our streams, hopefully, and if not, then we'll see you here on YouTube.